0: Welcome to episode 83 of Therese Talk. I'm your host, Therese Maine. By day, I co-host a morning radio show on a network in New York and Pennsylvania. By night, I'm a podcaster. So if you're a woman like me who loves Jesus and just wants to serve her family and community a little bit better, you're in the right place. Imagine finding out that your mother didn't want you to be born, but here you are alive. That's the reality for Melissa Odom. She's an abortion survivor, and she's not alone. Now she heads up the Abortion Survivors Network. After she found out what she had survived from her adoptive parents, she sought out her biological mom. She also began a crusade to unite people like her and to prevent future abortions. When did you know this had to be your life's calling?
1: Oh, yeah. Where do you begin with a, a story that is difficult for people to hear and for our culture? Everybody has a story. And I think what we have to recognize is that how people use their stories is so different from person to person. And it really is personal. And for me, it is a matter of calling and faith. I am one of the tens of thousands, I mean, people wouldn't realize this, right? But there are literally tens of thousands of people who have survived abortions as babies. And I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Because usually people kind of go, huh? What? Yes, babies survive abortions. Babies survived abortions before Roe. Many of us survived during Roe and babies are still surviving after Roe fell, mainly by chemical abortion. And that's really a hard truth for people to hear. And we live in a culture that is not kind to anyone whose story doesn't fit the predominant narrative of abortion. And so, you know, that's really my life story is that I am one of those babies who survived an abortion. You know, from a historical standpoint, it's important to realize I'm 46 years old. as a woman, don't necessarily want to share that with the world, but it let's people understand that I survived even during the time of Roe versus Wade. And so, you know, 46 years ago, my birth mother was forced to have a saline infusion abortion that was intended to end my life by poisoning and scalding me to death. I soaked in that toxic salt solution for five days before in the final step of the procedure, I was accidentally born alive. And, you know, by the grace of God, at least one nurse was unwilling to follow orders and leave me there to die. And that's how I landed in the NICU. And even though every survivor's experience is very unique, like many survivors, I didn't find out my story until I was a teenager.
0: What was that moment like?
1: Mm, Like a bomb went off you know it is not an easy circumstance for biological parents who are raising their child after an abortion has failed or they stopped it or reversed it it's not easy for adoptive parents you know that's part of the work we do at the abortion survivors network is come alongside parents who have a lot of fears and uncertainties about maybe what their child's life is going to look like after they attempted an abortion or they're wondering if they should ever tell the child and how to tell them and you know what? My mom and dad did the best they could with what they had and they never intended for me to find out. And that's what I always want parents to understand is, man, there is no <laughs> there's no good time, but I can tell you secrets have this way of coming out. And pretty much every survivor I have ever met or worked with has said, "Man, things could have been different if we would have found out a different way."
0: Hmm. And then you made a choice to reach out to your biological mom did you go to that into that experience with a heart of forgiveness
1: oh absolutely i had to you know this did not happen overnight you know find out your story and and suddenly you know be be healed and reach out with love that's not how this journey looked it was this process of you know suffering and recognizing my birth parents humanity and forgiving them for the first time, right? This is not a one-stop destination that I've arrived at. Um, But that one little step of forgiveness gave me enough healing to step forward and go looking for them. And, you know, started looking for my birth parents when I was about 19, but did not find them until I was almost 30. And you know what? I am so grateful for those years. I don't think back then I could have said that. (laughs) (laughs) you know, I would have said, oh, why is this taking so long? I'm wrestling with God about whether I'm supposed to share my story and that I need to find them first. But you know what? Looking back on it, I needed to learn so much about who God is and who he created me to be and and just learn so much about how abortion impacts so many people.
0: How different was 19 year old you than your mother at 19?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, honestly, it's been so long since I've looked at it through that lens of matching up her age with mine, right? Two women who were on very different journeys at the age of 19, really by the grace of God, right? I mean, I live with that knowledge every single day is that by the grace of God, I am simply walking out a different life than her. But how many of us think that somebody else's shoes we would never walk in?
0: What was it like for you when Roe v. Wade was overturned?
1: You know, I'm a mom. And so I have two daughters, 15 and nine. And um, that makes me emotional because people would always ask me over the years, do you think you're ever going to live to see Roe overturned? And I always said, no, not in my lifetime. But by the grace of God, maybe in my children's, I want that. And so, yeah, to see Roe overturned, I was with my oldest daughter that day at a pro-life event, and I can tell you that it was just the most monumental thing to have one of my first text messages from her saying, Mom, where are you? I need to hug you. That's not lost on me.
0: You can't live through what you lived through and, and not just live through. You, you fought through. I. You can't go through that and not see both the emotional side, the medical side, and the legal side of this issue. The pro-life movement goes beyond this to be about life-affirming laws, and that's a big part of your platform now because it just doesn't make sense to say we're about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and then to not even grant the most basic fundamental right to the most vulnerable. When did you realize that you couldn't move through this calling without getting into the politics of it all?
1: Yeah, that's an uncomfortable one for most people, isn't it? Of, you know what, God, I will follow you, except, hey, could you make it safe and comfortable and, <laughs> you know, maybe anonymous, <laughs> you know? And people wouldn't probably believe this about me, but it's true. I I am a, a people pleaser by nature. And so, You know, I was a teacher and then I was a clinical social worker and, you know, I could have drawn a million lines in the sand of like, wow, Lord, I can use this for this good and that good, but yet it never would have been the one thing he intended for me. And so it was kind of this slow process of acknowledging what I felt stir in my heart that minute I first heard that I survived that abortion And right, you recognize it, you get that little thing that stirs inside of you when you're really in touch with God. And so it was this process over time of going, okay, I see it, I feel it, I know it, Lord, I know this is what you're calling me to do. And taking one step out in faith and sharing my story and realizing, hey, (laughs) I survived that too, right? I survived this one thing that I've been so scared to death, this one thing that The enemy doesn't want me to do and wants me to be so fearful of and ashamed of. And so it was this process, I think, of one step at a time. And then, right, you take enough baby steps and then you suddenly realize you're walking and the next thing you know, you're running. And that's really what it's been like for me. And in this constant state of prayer over the years of, you know what, Lord, you've called me to this place and that place. Give me the eyes to see and the ears to hear and then the courage to walk it out. And this has not been easy, right, to to form a nonprofit and serve people like me and women like my biological mother. And at the same time, having policy be a part of it. Again, I could draw a million lines in the sand and say, yeah, I could do this safe, comfortable thing, but not that. But at the end of the day, it wouldn't be what he needed me to do. And so that's where policy does fit in of saying, you know what? I can't keep serving the babies who survive abortions and the moms who are being impacted by it and not do something to stop it from happening in the first place.
0: I want to talk to you some about your social work backgrounds. And was there something in you that needed to be healed in a way that, you know, becoming a social worker was a natural progression of I'm going to learn so much about how people work how people can heal, how people can persevere.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, I think I went into it, like many people do, thinking that I was looking to heal other people, but what I was doing was healing myself. And, you know, I'm so grateful for what I learned and what I've continued to learn in that journey, because it does help me to understand the dynamics that drive even women to make abortion decisions it helps me to come alongside survivors who are struggling with mental health issues and the behavioral side of things and the physical complaints that come from our the, you know, the mental health side of things. So yeah, every little thing, right, was like God was putting me on this path, knowing that someday I was gonna put it all together. But at the heart of the matter, I think it really was about needing to heal myself before I could go on and heal other people.
0: What would you say to someone who has found out that they survived an abortion?
1: The first thing I tell a survivor is you are not alone because that's where our brains go, right? Like, "Mm, I have got to be the only person in the world that this ever happened to. This is this is a freak of nature. I've got to be ashamed. I should be embarrassed. The world says this is a choice. It's a woman's right. Clearly, there is something wrong with me. And I would say you are not alone. You may not believe it right now, but you're a miracle and it's, it's a blessing that you're alive. You are more than somebody else's choice. You are more than someone's right that they get to execute. And at the end of the day, though, I know that there's a lot of conflicted emotions because all of that gets tied up into your biological mother. And maybe they are standing right there in front of you. That makes it so complicated because you love them. And at the same time, you can't believe that they try to do that to you. And those two things can exist in the same space.
0: It is truly miraculous to me that an infant who has yet to even breathe air outside the womb can survive this medical horror. I mean, how common is that, Melissa?
1: The numbers on failed and stopped and reversed abortions are really, really hard to get to. So we need to know that, first of all, in the United States, not all states even report out the number of abortions being performed. And when we know states like California don't report, let's realize that the number is astronomical. Right. So anytime you're seeing any numbers, know that there are numbers missing in that. Then realize that chemical abortions account for about 54 percent of abortions being performed right now. So we have no idea what is really happening in people's homes. So this is worrisome, worrisome for baby, worrisome for mom. It should be worrisome for our culture. But when we start to gather numbers, really the best data comes out of Canada. And it's because, right, their medical system with socialized medicine reports out a lot of statistics. When you run the numbers and you correlate them to the United States, Canada has about a 0.21% failure rate of abortions. Somebody recently who supports abortion said, Ugh, that's nothing. I don't know what you're upset about. Mm, well, 0.21% is always somebody's life. And when you start running those numbers, 0.21% becomes a lot, a lot. So in the last reporting period, it looked like about 1,734 survivors in the United States based on that correlated data. Now, what I would tell you is that that number is an underestimate because that doesn't include successful reversed abortions, at-home attempts to abort, and other abortions being performed that aren't even tracked in the numbers. So statistically, we're talking about thousands upon thousands of survivors a year. And behind every survivor is a mom and a dad and a family that also needs healing.
0: You can hear more from Melissa at the Celebrate Life Dinner, Monday night in Binghamton, New York. Find out more at familylife.org slash events. Did you know Family Life offers a variety of podcasts? Stay up to date with Family Life News. There's also Family Life Kids and The Calling a podcast for pastors. And don't forget about 10 Minutes With, an interview program with faith-based artists and speakers. They're all free and on demand at familylife.org slash podcast.